Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Fake the Nation, episode 311. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we invest in some really good shoe inserts to protect our feet and the protesting we have to do. I'm your host, Nagin Farsad, and yeah, I have delicate foot arches. Today, we're going to talk about the utterly horrendous Supreme Court decision that has overturned Roe v. Wade. We'll figure out what the millennial subsidy is. And finally, you're dating all wrong, but a data analyst is here to help. Today, oh my God, I am so excited by today's panel. I'm joined by comedian... Uh, and, uh, oh, I've worked with him before. I mean, we go way back. Um, and he's got a new podcast called The Jaded Forum. And he's just utterly delightful in every way. And I just recently saw him on... Oh, Mr. Mr. Mayor. Mayor. Oh, so funny on Mr. Mayor, which is such a funny show. Everyone should watch it uh, because it's been canceled. It's been canceled. (laughs) (laughs) But but you should should watch what you can because it's still, you're there for the laughs. Yeah, good luck finding it. It is the wonderful Yodoye Travis. Hey, Yodoye. Hey, how you doing? We are also joined by, and this is so exciting, host of the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast, which is, by the way, one of the very few, if not only podcast of its kind, where a podcast host is running around the country getting the politics for you. He's a reporter, a podcaster, and he's wonderful. His name is Justin Robert Young. Hey, Justin. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is this is a great honor. 
Oh my God. I'm so glad that you're here. And before we get into the show, I just want to remind people that you can uh, go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad to join our Patreon for as little as $1 a month. You can support the show for as little as $4 a month. You get bonus stuff, um, podcast episodes. Uh, we we have so many fun things coming out. And I just posted like for, uh, there's also like a, a monthly essay that comes out that's something ridiculous. Uh, this most recent one is a trend that I've witnessed with extremely rich dudes. You have to subscribe to the Patreon to figure out what this trend is. It's very particular and very ridiculous. So go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad to join in on that. And thank you so much to everyone that already supports the Patreon. You're all so delightful. Hey, folks, this is your host, Nagin Farsad, interrupting your host, Nagin Farsad, before we get into topic number one, because here's the crazy thing. The news keeps scooping us. I don't understand what is going on, but the last couple of months, our timing has been awful um, because the news has been awful and because our schedule uh, has shifted here and there um, because of gigs and chest infections and just a bunch of weird unexpected things. But I want to let you know that we taped this show before the bombshell hearings of the the January 6th committee uh, that happened on Tuesday. But just to give you a quick recap, uh, Cassie Hutchinson, who was an aide to Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, um, testified unexpectedly on Tuesday. And she said a bunch of really uh, just uh, jaw-dropping things that were also at the same time not that surprising, um, that basically Donald Trump knew that people had weapons, Donald Trump knew um, that people were, you know, going to march to the Capitol with those weapons. Uh, he sort of thought it was not a big deal because they weren't going to, quote, hurt him. So um, these are just incredible revelations. It was like one of the more riveting days of the January 6th committee hearings. And I, I think that the committee has been doing, honestly, like a great job of storytelling. Uh, so unfortunately, you're not going to hear us talk about it today. Uh, but I do recommend you just looking at some of those clips. It's truly remarkable. And uh, we will, again, be on top of the January 6th committee hearings uh, after the holidays. I think they're going to be coming back online um, in July with more uh, hearing dates. So, um, okay, the rest of the show goes back to other bombshells in American um, life, uh, such as the SCOTUS opinion. So um, enjoy the rest of the show, uh, such as it is, and uh, we will be back in your earballs with current stuff uh, after the holidays. Now, let us get into it with topic number one. The Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, which is especially weird because a supermajority of Americans, that's 80% of them, support abortion access. So we're going to try and say some productive shit about this. But first, um, I just want the panelists to be able to get it all out uh, with a like a one minute timed rant. Um, So, uh, Justin, why don't you start us off with your uh, with your rant? Uh, jeez, uh, I, I there's nothing there's nothing to say that isn't angry and inspiring anger. There's there's nothing that uh, uh, can be said. Whenever you upend political gravity like this, where nobody really even knows where to go, 
there's there's especially in our in our modern era where things are are very hyper uh, aware. There's just nothing you can say that isn't uh, uh, kind of both right and wrong at the same time. I I, I have no idea. I did not expect this to happen. Uh, I expected them to uphold the Dobbs decision by not but not overturning Roe versus Wade. Even when the right. leak happened, I thought that that was going to be kind of a warning shot uh, that that would would not come to pass. But whoopsie doodle. Uh, okay, so I'm gathering from that you made it in just under 57 seconds. Well done. Um, so I'm gathering that you're confused, you're angry, and you're <laughs> uh, and you're full of the of whoopsie doodle vibes. Well, um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, certainly, certainly did not expect it to happen. So there is an element of uh, well, I guess I need to confront my priors, uh, but but also <laughs> there's. There's just uh, I don't know. There, especially in these days, it's it's hard to to be that surprised for that long, even when the thing that you thought would never happen happens. Absolutely. Okay, Yadoye, it's your turn. You can be as a non-productive as you want in this minute and go. Okay, I feel like I'm want to give a very uh, sobering minute, but I feel like regardless what of what they what choice they made, regardless of what they did, the fact that they could do this the fact that they had this option on the table in the first place should tell all of us that this entire shit is illegitimate why are we subjecting our entire lives to the rule of people who can take our rights away at the drop of a hat you know why do we continue going through this cycle every every four years every two years for the senate or whatever just to get stuck back in the same level of complacency when we could be building institutions on the ground that uh, that reinforce our needs on a daily basis and that don't just like subject us to this paternalistic bullshit every few years. You know what I'm saying? Great. It's that's it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the entire thing is illegitimate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there's there's definitely uh, maybe there's the, an implication that the podcast is illegitimate by that. I don't mean to no, say that. No, no, not at all. No, 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 no. Um, the uh, this podcast never stole a seat from the Supreme Court the way Mitch McConnell did. So I think I can say that with with relative confidence. Um, but yeah, I mean, that one seat it makes the that particular uh, Neil Gorsuch um, illegitimate, and then also um, I. You know, the other interesting thing is, like, we know that the process is dumb because people just lie. Right. And so obviously, like, you know, who was it? Uh, uh, was it Susan Collins? Who was like, I was Susan misled. Collins. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously you were misled because these things are designed for them to mislead you. You know, but it's 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 lying. It's lying to get a seat. That's what well, happened. That's, that's and you fell those- for it. Yeah, yet yet another reason why you should never trust lawyers, right? <laughs> like because because yeah. th- that's that's like such lawyer shit for them to for them to be like, oh well, no, it's settled law. But then I'm sure there's going to be some conservative conference that they're at, and they're going to be asked that question, and it's like, well, what you mean legally by settled law is something that legal, legal, legal sub definition, blah blah blah. And it's like, no, dude, you knew what you did. You knew that you came out there and you said some stuff. And you said stuff privately and you said stuff publicly that made people believe that while obviously you you may disagree with with the basis of Roe versus Wade that you weren't gonna overturn it because it's been around for damn near fifty years. And that wasn't the case. Because when they got a chance to do it, uh, uh all of them but John Roberts did. 
Absolutely. Well, okay, let's move on to the next area of discussion here, which is like, what exactly, what does this all mean? Uh, Just to be clear, the majority opinion says, quote, the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Roe and Casey um, are overruled and the authority to regulate abortion is returned to the people and their elected representatives. Uh, So basically, you know, the states can now set their own restriction. 16 states plus the District of Columbia have laws that protect the right to abortion. Uh, In two other states, courts have that the state constitution establishes that right. Uh, those states are concentrated in the East and West Coast. Is the, oh, so surprising. Oh, so surprising. Uh, and then at the other end of the spectrum, there are sto- 13 states that have trigger laws. I actually was in Utah when this ruling came out, mm-hmm. um, performing yay old comedy. Oh, yeah. How did the Mormons feel it, about it? <laughs> Huh? How did the Mormons feel about it? Can I just say it was such an interesting place to be because so I was there doing the Way Way Don't Tell Me stand up tour. There was about, I don't know, maybe 2000 people in the audience. I would say that the protests there were mild. Um, but but Salt Lake City itself is a very liberal city. Uh, but the hilarious thing is I feel like the 2000 people that would have protested heavily that night we're all at our show. Uh, and, and, you know, <laughs> you were counter programming. <laughs> but they were crying and laughing and like, but, you know, building the resolve. So they kind of needed the laugh so that they could go in into Saturday and maybe do their protesting then. So, um, so it, it, it was an interesting place to be because there was just kind of an, a general quiet, uh, as opposed to the, I think in New York City, which was, a scene. Yeah. I mean, I also had shows that night and we were light, <laughs> I will say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Attendance yeah. was light. Still had a good time, but. But, right, exactly. People were uh, distraught. Okay. So, all right. Here's here's the other thing everyone should know. You could still get a medical abortion through the pill. Obviously, technically, you can't do it in those states where abortion is banned. However, you, there's, um, you know, there's organizations that send the pill from overseas it makes it extremely hard to be able to track that or or figure it out so as it's sort of like operationally you can do it even though it might technically be illegal well a lot a lot of this is still going to be hashed out legally because a lot of the trigger laws revolve as most abortion laws have around a doctor administering an abortion so there's not a lot of uh, a settled legal stuff on if you get a pill by yourself, if you administer it by yourself or somebody other than a doctor does it. And uh, 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 again, there's there's a lot of these trigger laws that were almost exclusively crafted by a, a, the evangelical minority of the Republican Party. So even of the Republican Party, not even of the voting electorate of the Republican Party, it's the evangelicals who largely put these together because they were the only people who were really paying attention to them. And even red state governors like Asia Hutchinson of Arkansas when you hear him interviewed now, he's hedging. Like here, uh, Christy Nome of South Car- or South Dakota is hedging on exactly what what some of this means because they don't know. I mean, uh, the the, the pro life movement is effectively, uh, you know, the 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 dog that caught the car here. I, I, yeah. I think they're gonna they're gonna find out very very quickly that governing with these laws is a lot different than just saying choose life. And and um, there's got yeah, there's like legal chaos, right? Like in Michigan, it's unclear because there's a 1931 ban that was overturned by a May court decision, uh, and the attorney general says that he's not, you know, that they're not going to enforce it, but it's unclear. You know, there's so many questions. Some of these states, it's not. There's very old laws that may take effect, but they may not. Um, there's also a question of whether they could conduct abortions on federal property. Uh, that's an outstanding question. There's a question about um. Can 
can can they will will there be abortions on tribal reservations? Is that an option? Is that something that they can that that can be pursued? All of these things are outstanding. It's unclear. Uh, and then some of it is just the question of whether or not how doctors are going to interpret the law because um, there's, for example, the treatment of abortion. There's the treatment of abortion and the treatment of a miscarriage are very similar, so or 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 almost like nearly identical. So what what does that mean? You know, so there's all these questions that I think are going to be um, coming up constantly in the next several months. Uh, all right. Um, yes. I feel like I want to double down on my earlier stance and <laughs> say um, I feel like I don't I'm, I'm not even super interested in appealing to the particulars of like how we of how we address yeah. these laws and how yeah. we navigate these laws when you're seeing stories like doctors having to wait until a person is bleeding out to perform right. uh, surgery on an ectopic pre pregnancy and things like that. I'm I'm just like spiraling out thinking like how long are we going to keep appealing to the same system of laws that are, you know, that are oppressing us and that are doing all these things to us. Like, are we going to just just figure out how to navigate and vote on the particulars or are we going to just like, like every time something like this happens, I see the same thing online. Like you can't ban abortion. You can only ban safe abortion. And in my mind, I'm like, then why don't we put our resources into shoring up the the version of abortions that are going to continue to exist rather than saying rather than saying like well we can we can vote this way and we can get the we can maybe make them do this or we can go to a reservation or we can do all these things i'm just like it feels like just institutional insanity to me it feels like it feels like we're all just under like a global psychosis where we we see what these people are doing to us, but we also want to ask them to change their minds when we know that the system that we operate under is built on this type of violence. You know, we are, we're appealing to solutions that imply the continuation of this violence in a different context. Well, you know so there's, okay, so that leads me to, to, to okay, so you're talking, the, the idea that we're going to like figure this all out by 1,000 band-aids is yeah. ridiculous okay now there's a couple of ways to solve this that um that aren't 1000 band-aids but nevertheless require a lot of like voting and movement i mean the first is if joe manchin and kirsten cinema were to abolish to, to um, get rid of the filibuster in this case you know because they can have particular remove the filibuster for particular issues so they could do that. They could legislate on this. There could be a, a bill passed by Congress, right? That's a thing. Obviously, Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin are not going to do that. So we can't that again. And that's part, part of the thing of like, we're letting these two people just make every decision for America right now. That's nuts. Okay, so that's I think one. There would, there, would, yeah. there would also be a question of exactly how long that would stand. Uh, especially if, sure. if the filibuster were, were gone on that, considering where some of the groundwork is polling wise on on what's going to happen in, in November, that that would probably be a solution that might not last until Thanksgiving. So so uh, tell us, um, tell us, Justin, what do you think are some viable solutions? Well, if we could go. Uh, here's my uh, solution. Uh, uh, time travel. 
I would like for us to develop a time machine. Uh-huh. Uh, I would like for Barack Obama, as he promised in 2008, that the first thing he would do is to sign the Freedom of Choice Act, yeah. uh, which would have codified Roe versus Wade when he had a 60-40 uh, filibuster-proof majority. I wish he would have done that instead of saying that it wasn't his highest legislative priority. In hindsight... There was a 2013 bill that was put forth by the Republicans and was sponsored by the pro-life movement that would have enshrined the right to a federal on-demand abortion up to the 20-week mark, which is uh, when 97%, according to Planned Parenthood, of of, uh, on-demand abortions are made and would have enshrined uh, carve-outs for health of the mother, rape, and incest past that. Uh, I think that when we now look at the total dissolution of Roe versus Wade and we look at bans that are now total in so many states, and even before that, the Dobbs case, which was in Mississippi, was up to 15 weeks. Texas was down to eight weeks by the time that this this went by. A 20-week enshrinement is something yeah, that I think been would, have been, would have been, you know, looks a lot different now than yeah, it did in 2013. Yeah. Uh, barring a time machine, however, uh, I, I think that... that we really do have to have a serious conversation much in the same way that America was having before Roe versus Wade on exactly where that line for people is. Uh, uh, As much as there is a super majority of people who do support access to abortion and even say that they don't want Roe versus Wade overturned because that was settled law in the mind of many people. The polling is more tricky when you start talking about weeks of, Weeks, of right, when, right, 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 right. When that happens, and if if we can have an honest conversation about that, and we can move forward, I do believe that even across party lines, there is consensus on 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 this, and the the stats are are there on where the line would be on the vast, vast, vast majority of of on demand abortions. Yadoye, where where what is your solution? I would love to also have a time machine and have everybody go back and read the Federalist Papers where they say this is not a democracy and we don't our votes don't really <laughs> count. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. I, I just I look I man I feel like we should I promise I'm a comedian by the way I'm not always as serious <laughs> but uh, I I just I really just feel like when it comes down to things like this that are you know the legislation of women's bodies in our own communities and things like that why maybe we stop looking to these higher powers to mediate our relationships with each other you know what i'm saying just across the board just in general i feel like i'm not like a electoral politics person i'm not you know it just seems like the more it just seems more and more silly to me <laughs> the it just i feel like we all we all have the capability to be like i was i was just reading about this um these people that were po- passing around like ways to make your own abortion pills at home. And I think that's nice and that's cool. But I also think like if we put more resources into ideas like that and brainstorming and coming up with solutions just on the ground level, that maybe that can go from something that looks a little bit scary because it does look scary to something that is like a whole institution of of just like on the ground uh, solutions that we just have and that we're building upon every day and we're all like discussing these things amongst ourselves and to the point where decisions like this are completely irrelevant what i'm hearing from both of you is that we we need both a network of human beings that are dealing with the opposite rational reality that like they might have to make their own abortion pills or whatever right and we're dealing with like major institutional forces that also we have to be able to 
talk and chew gum at the same time, right? Like we have to be able to like do a bunch of things and we have to be able to care. I was talking to um, this really famous uh, artist from, she's, she's um, you know, I don't know, she's maybe in her 60s, possibly 70 or something. And uh, I guess I shouldn't say her name. I don't know. I don't know if the conversation was off the record. Doesn't matter. But she was a really well-regarded artist. And she was saying, you know, we were talking about this decision. And she said, eh, it's a blip. It'll, it's annoying. We did all the hard work when I was young. Now you have to do it. So go do it. I mean, you know, she was sort of like, we had to do it. You think you don't have to do it just because you were born into Roe? No. Like, now you have to do it. So there's, um, there's, there's moments in history where you have to... Uh, where you walk forward, you walk back, you walk forward again and again. And this is just a, a cycle. And now it is our turn. And I can say again, um, as someone whose parents come from Iran, where shit is, I'm going to say worse. Okay. I know it. it is hard <laughs> to believe Bold that. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to believe that, but shit is worse in so many other parts of the world. We still have our freedoms and we're still able to protest because guess what? If you were in Iran, you would not be able to protest all those you pride. We had pride on Sunday, which was in New York and joyous and amazing and wonderful it's happening. It's something that wouldn't have happened decades ago, right? And so we have to recognize uh, some of the things we still have, still have going for us. So on an institutional front, I mean, what this really means is we have to mobilize. Like we really have to mobilize in a way, you know, we we did some mobilizing in 2020. We didn't necessarily love a couple of our options like the Kirsten Cinemas and the Joe Mansions. So now let's mobilize with people that we might, we actually do love. You know, there's people like Fetterman, who's running for Senate in Pennsylvania, who's come out and said, like, I will vote to remove the filibuster for this issue. Uh, so... So what are you asking for from your elected representatives? But also, you know, there's a whole spate of um, things like aidaccess.org is the group in Austria that does the mail the mail-in uh, pills for the abortion. Um, there's a legal advice group called If, When, How, Lawyering for Reproductive Justice. If you feel like you're in a legal gray area, it gives you confidential legal help. Um, there's the miscarriage and abortion hotline. Uh, there's the digital defense fund that helps pe protects people from surveillance when it comes to abortion stuff. Um, it's there's I need an A, which shows you how close your nearest abortion clinic is. Um, and by the way, I can I could tweet all these out or DM me, and I can send all of these resources. But also think local. Your city council can pass a resolution, um, you know, protecting people who are seeking an abortion from criminal action. The city of Austin is looking to do that, even though they're in Texas. So there are it. it it's a pastiche. It's both a thousand band aids and one big amputation that we need to do or whatever i really appreciate you doy's point there though that uh, uh there is a lot and this is one of my frustrations with politics in in general despite the fact that i focus on it like a brain wormed nerd uh, uh is that the the thought that politics is everything and that 
everything that happens on a federal level or even a state level guides all of our actions and 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 ropes in all of our actions and you know stopping short of of going full anarchist i do believe that there is a wide range of things that we can do there's a wide range that we can take care of each other there's a wide range of things that we can do to to make our lives better that is not totally and fundamentally defined by the government and yeah. and especially in issues like this we should we should not discount that by the fact that uh, in a place that is far from us some people made a decision i want to agree and disagree and say that politics is not everything but everything is politics and i believe the version of politics we're talking about i would call statecraft and it's the you know just it's all this like theater that we're, you know, that we make entertainment out of. But I believe everything that goes on on your in your daily life is political. You know, it's the it's the decisions you make about your your daily needs and the things that you that the your labor, your housing, all of these things, all of those things are political. And we have we have a system where we do defer to people that don't know us on all of these issues and i think there's a way to just sort of hone it in i am going to go full anarchist and go and (laughs) hone it hone it in and say these are things that are uh, that affect our lives directly so why are we not directly making those decisions and i think it should uh i think it only reinforces what i'm saying when like when the federal statute goes away and we are now operating on a more local level at the state level that it gets worse. I think that should tell you that like we're operating in a, in a situation. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know, like Europe as a, is a little bit of an example of that, right? They're, they're autonomous countries operating in like a, some sort of a loose union and, but they're all very different. Uh, I mean, I don't know, you know, sometimes it feels like we have that vibe a little bit as opposed to like a cohesive country. Um, and you know, and sometimes I I, I, I do think in terms of Roe versus Wade, uh, the way I've, I've come to think of it is that the decision, the Supreme Court decision kind of stepped in the middle of two people that are fighting at a bar getting close to like last call. And and if you've ever been in these kinds of situations, you know that those people tend to yell more when there's a bouncer in between them and things get a lot spicier when it's they don't have a chance to actually come to blows. And mm-hmm. that's kind mm-hmm. of where we were because Roe versus Wade was this thing in between them. I right. don't believe mm-hmm. that these trigger laws, even in these deep red states, are representative by the polling or the politics uh, of where the median person is, even if that median person is Republican. Uh, I, I yeah, think that it was by a minority. You think like a law from 1840s is not representative of where our state well, is now? That's, that's the other thing is that we had 47 yeah. years. We had 47 years to do the work on cleaning up some of that stuff. And everybody was like, ah, Rose, fine, whatever. You let's know, just I, leave, I, let's I, just leave the old law in the books. <laughs> <laughs> I have a I have a closet in my apartment that is essentially a law from the 1840s that I haven't dealt with. You know what I mean? So I understand the inclination. Okay, folks, look, we are probably going to just have it. We're just going to have to keep talking about this, I think, right? Uh, for the next several months until uh, there's, there's elections coming up. Uh, I also want to r- remind listeners that... Uh, there were no women on the panel today except for me. Uh, but just remember that we booked the show in advance and um, and that there's going to be plenty of time in the course of this hideous issue for us to get a lot of uh, women's voices. Uh, right now, we're just like 
we're just like starting to do the the work. So um, so let me know what you think. Also, let me know what you want to hear about. What would be helpful? Um, you know, would it be helpful to hear about more district attorney races where you can see who some of the people are that would actually be uh, implementing some of these rules um, or not work just or uh, running on a platform of ignoring them. You know what I mean? There's also that. So let me know. Uh, hit me up on all the social medias. This is obviously a huge issue. We've talked about it longer than we normally have. A segment has gone long. So let us take a quick break. We'll hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll keep talking. I am the type of person that has subscribed to things and I have forgotten about those things. I have paid twice for a children's educational app. And I didn't know that I was paying twice for several months. Until that is, I discovered Rocket Money. And because I use Rocket Money, it just showed up all these things. The thing that I was paying twice for that made me incredibly angry. Thank God Rocket Money ended that for me. It also cancels the subscription for you. So you don't have to like go through the hassle of going to that site and figuring out how to cancel. They actually make canceling very difficult. I don't know if any of you have had the experience, but I have been on a like a roundabout eight exit nightmare trying to unsubscribe to something before. Rocket money eliminates that hassle. It also alerts you to an increase in subscription price. And this is something Rocket Money did for me. It negotiates a lower price for something you already subscribe to. So like for my cable bill, it got me a lower price. And I was very happy about that. Nearly 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about, which makes me feel better because I'm one of them. But it makes me feel terrible because what are we doing losing that money? Uh, I don't want to waste that money. And I know you don't want to waste that money. If you struggle with these kinds of purchases, if you struggle with finances in general, Rocket Money will help you with the budgeting, help you track your expenses, help you, like I said, cancel those unwanted subscription. It's a personal finance app that finds and cancels unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps you lower your bills so you can get back to saving. I mean, me and my husband have been on the warpath and Rocket Money has been a really big part of that. It has over 5 million users with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. The average member has saved up to $740 a year using the app's features, which is, I mean, that tracks for me. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions. Go to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Save the money at rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And we 
are back. And before we get into topic number two, I just want to quickly hit you up with a couple of races to watch. Races to watch, folks. Um, we got a message from Steve in Colorado about Secretary of State. I thought this was a really fun uh, email. He said, nestled in Colorado's third district lies Mesa County, the office responsible for overseeing elections, and is the county clerk, Tina Peters. After the 2020 election, Tina allegedly shut off the surveillance cameras to the voting machines, brought unauthorized people into the room, and made off with the software and passwords to the machines, which somehow showed up online. She then disappeared for several weeks with the MyPillow guy, Mike Lindell. She's currently under indictment for crimes related to the incident. She was subsequently removed from her election oversight duties for the 2021 and 2022 elections. Uh, but she's the current front runner for the Republican nomination to run for Secretary of State <laughs> against the current Secretary Democrat, Jenna Griswold. So Colorado, what are you doing? Check out Jenna Griswold running for Secretary of State. Again, that's Jenna Griswold uh, running for Secretary of State in Colorado. Uh, thank you, Steve, for, for sending that our way. Also, um, Allison from Indiana wrote that this past Saturday, the Indiana Democratic Party made history by affirming a slate of three women for um, plus one guy. Uh, and uh, those three women are Secretary of State Destiny Wells, for State Tre Treasurer Jessica McClellan, and for State Auditor Zanai Brooks. So look up these folks, Destiny Wells, Jessica McClellan, and Zanai Brooks. If you're a Hoosier, uh, the, you know, people in Indiana are working. And this particular listener is actually, um, I think, the secretary of the Democratic Party in her county. So she is doing the work of trying to mobilize you guys. Folks, if you're in Indiana, please look those up. All right, let's move on to topic number two. Have you noticed that the price of a rideshare has gone up a bunch? I rarely use them, but when I do, I've been shocked to see how high the cost is. And it turns out it's not just inflation or gas prices or labor costs, which obviously have something to do with it. What's really happening here is an erosion of the millennial subsidy. So um, do either of you want to take a crack at explaining what the millennial subsidy is or was? I, I, I can, it, yeah. mostly because before I moved here to Austin, I, uh, I used to live in Oakland for uh, eight years, for which I was a tremendous, tremendous beneficiary of the millennial subsidy, which is the fact that due to a few financial, stu uh, financial factors about the market and low interest rates, but really there's a bunch of VCs that have a bunch of money and what they want to do is expand their user base as fast as possible, even if it means lighting gigantic piles of money on fire. And that would mean that as somebody in the Bay Area where a lot of these companies would start, I would get extraordinarily cheap things. I would get my clothes cleaned for mm -hmm. like under $10. I would have food delivered for me uh, on demand for, for in like three minutes. There was one Urban Spoon was my favorite. It basically served like cafeteria food that they would put in a car and just drive around my neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> and, and I could just get it for $5 in like two seconds. Uh, it went horribly and was gone within three months. But this gigantic pile of of cash uh, that would waft into all of our nostrils. We got to smell the sweet, sweet, sweet smells of uh, a VC capital being destroyed. And on a larger scale, stuff like Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, which has gone not only nationwide but worldwide, benefited from the same. Uh, but the party's over. The interest rates are up. Uh, uh, the, the gas is higher. The workforce is lower. And that means that things are going to cost a little bit closer to what they actually cost and not with every transaction being a loss for the company. 
Uh, you doy, we read a piece of The Atlantic by Derek Thompson, who actually crystallized this uh, millennial subsidy. And he wrote, if you woke up on a Casper mattress, worked out with a Peloton, Ubered to a WeWork, ordered it on DoorDash for lunch, took a lift home and ordered dinner through Postmates, only to realize your partner had all restarted on a Blue Apron meal, your household in one day had interacted with eight unprofitable companies that collectively lost about $15 billion in one year. Uh Uh, Were you surprised to hear how money losing all of these ventures are slash were? Well, because I was wondering where my $15 billion went. So that was like really, (laughs) I was like, somebody has, I mean, I guess not. I feel like that's, I mean, I'm kind of dumb a little bit. So like, I, I've always said that about you. I'm, yeah. You know, that's just like, that's kind of my whole thing is that I'm a little bit dumb. So I just thought that's how business works. I feel right, like right. I live in a place where like Walmart pushed out all these small businesses. And I just thought that's just what it was. They just have lower prices for a second and then they go up when everything else is when all the competition is gone. And so reading the article, I was just like, there's something I'm missing here because this is just what business is to me. You know, right? Well, no, I mean, it, it's for a generation of people, it really did seem that way, right? Because for many, I mean, how long has this been going on? Like 10, 15 years with this millennial subsidy, uh, we have felt we've thought that a price rate was at a certain level, and we were all wrong. We were wrong because venture capital was just subsidizing all of that to make the thing popular. I mean, the entire idea was take money from venture capitalists, lose money on the business but acquire a gazillion customers and you both became customers right of these of these types of ventures oh yeah Uber, most yeah 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 I'm, i want to say a virtue signal guys i uh <laughs> i do a pretty good job of uh not using these things because i've had an issue from that with them from the beginning uh for environmental reasons and for the destruction of small business reasons i've kind of always been anti a lot of these services um but i'm only saying that to make you feel bad about yourselves um but how target destroyed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, um i have used the co-op ride share in the past just to be fair just oh, to be fair to there me there it is okay a, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Just, you know, just to stay uh, on you're doing I, your part just you're to doing stay your on part theme. i always follow all of my uber drivers on instagram i just make sure that i at least <laughs> follow back I mean, I guess it's not 60 years ago when Uber would have just made like a company town where they drive their their own employees from place to place. Right, right, right. Um, so my question is how, so with the change in the price, have you guys changed any, you know, Justin, do you find yourself using these services less? How is it, how have things changed for you? Since the subsidies have expired. Because just to be clear, what's happening now is venture capital is like, oh, we actually want to see the businesses be profitable, so we're going to stop. And then the business was like, oh, fuck so we have to raise our prices so um well yeah and and by the way let me just point out it was the vc's demand that they lose money like they were shoveling money it wasn't like these companies were like oh no give us money we're we're gonna make a profit and then they didn't and and the vcs were dumb the vcs were demanding that they do it so they can expand their market base that was part of the business plan I think some of my habits sort of changed during the pandemic anyway. We tried to order a little bit more directly from the restaurants and and not through uh, uh, Uber Eats or, or Postmates and stuff like that. I now live in a place where I have a car, so I use it a little bit less. But if I were still in, 
in in the bay, I would probably just be eating a little bit more of of, of the cost to get from from here to there, or I'd find some other stupid company that was doing something slightly cheaper that I would be able to to get halfway. Has it has it changed? Yeah, I, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I'm I try to eat a little bit, you know, a little bit more like locally on my flights between Manhattan and Brooklyn. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, just in general, just changing up my consumption habits. But, you know, in general, I just, I just buy more groceries. Right, right, right. Well, I want to say, too, like, there was a thing, especially about ride sharing in New York, which is, like, you kind of, like, never need to do it, right? Like, yeah. you can take the subway, basic, like, basically, and it is oftentimes as fast as the ride share. Uh, so... Unless you're trying to get from one part of Brooklyn to another. To another part of Brooklyn. Yeah, there's some, there's some, um, there's some moments where it can be awkward, the subway. But, but the, but the fact of the matter is, I think what was happening at the, the, the cheap height of the Lyfts and the Ubers, what was happening is people were just, like, taking it because it was cheap, and they could have taken the subway, but they just were like, well, it's so cheap. I'll just do it, you yeah. know, and especially I think, if you were going with multiple people, like right. so it was mm-hmm. cheap. And then if you're going with a friend and you can and there was easy splitting Venmo the cost, was a thing, so you could split right. it. It was easy. So I think in a place like New York, it's not like there wasn't an alternative. There's still an alternative. And then maybe people will just go back to using the alternative, which is the subway and or strengthening their own calf muscles, you know. Um, but I think in other, you know, I, so I, I feel like that's maybe something that is, is it kind of an easy fix? I mean, everything else is really laziness, honestly. Like I've already ranted about the 15 minute grocery uh delivery apps um oh i don't think i ranted about it here those those are those are the funniest those are the funniest because that business model has been tried in every so many times and it always fails it is always always the worst idea Exactly. And and I think and I mean, I, again, who knows? There's multiple of them. It, there, Many of them are bound to fail. If one of them rises to the top, who knows? But again, it's like in a why do you need there's so many supermarkets and bodegas like you just don't need it. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, w- I, I would argue. I don't know if we necessarily need that, but there are like huge swaths of Brooklyn where there's not really like an accessible grocery store. Okay, to yeah, be so fair. food deserts in so Brooklyn. There are food deserts. So I like there I think there's a more uh sustainable solution than like Yeah. Just like venture capital grocery delivery. Right, 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 right. But, you know, there is a place where, I feel like in Manhattan, like, yeah, just walk downstairs. Yeah, 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 doing? yeah. Come on. But that's also where the where people use it the most. You know, it just seems Odd, like, you oddly, know. Yeah, that might be true. Yeah, it's well, very it's weird. Because it's where it's easiest to set up because everything's so close. It's easiest to set up and it's, you know, arguably highest concentration of weird entitled people <laughs> in New York. <laughs> yeah, rich um, people. Hey, rich I live people in Manhattan. Yeah. Calm it down. Yeah. Yeah, they wanna they wanna buy they wanna get their Greek yogurt without leaving it's, the house and it's part and of the it thrill. in ten minutes. It's it's part of the thrill is you can get it from I mean, is there is there something about the millennial attitude in general that is shifting with this stuff? Like the aging millennial, um, 
is are they growing up are they are they all grown up now <laughs> I, are they like you know what we're gonna go ahead and buy some broccoli i mean from the we, we're literally growing up yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're you know time has is progressing yeah. time has passed we experience time uh much as you yourself or you uh yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I feel like um, maybe we're just kind of coming to grips with reality a little bit. I, I think I think the more I talk about this, the more I'm going to drift into more of what I was saying earlier. But uh, <laughs> it, it just feels like we're all kind of coming to grips with of whatever version of reality that exists and uh and i don't know if uh if uber fits into it i don't know what i don't know what right, it the, is. the version of reality where venture capitals are like you need these services and we're like to be an adult and we're like no i need health care bro right <laughs> right, like, right 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 I, I need right to stop changing the question that's not yeah 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 uh justin do you think well we're gonna find out if we have a recession because, uh, you know, I was I was in my 20s, my early 20s when 2008 happened and I was poor anyways. I didn't give a shit if a bunch of people were losing their retirement like uh, or, or underwater on a mortgage. That was something that that it's like I was five hundred dollars in the hole on my bank account. And I didn't you know, it's like that, that's all I, that was the economics of my life. Now, if there's a gigantic recession or if people are, are in a situation where all of a sudden they can't get jobs and they don't have a, a, I mean, effectively, our entire lives have been lived in in fairly good, if not great, economic times. And and even if they haven't gone well for you, they have been well on par. If that doesn't happen, and now all of a sudden we are in a dire situation, then, boy, everybody's going to get uh, uh, their stripes real fast when it comes to uh, uh, balancing their checkbook and figuring out what they're going to spend money on. As for Uber, I think the larger thing with, with those kind of apps, the ones that have had nationwide popularity, is it's not necessarily, I mean, prices are going to go up everywhere, but the biggest thing is it's not going to be available everywhere. Th there mm -hmm. are unprofitable mm -hmm. markets for Uber that they subsidize because they want to have that nationwide footprint. New York City, the Bay, L.A., a lot of major cities, they are profitable. Uh, they, if anything, they need to spend more money to get more people in to, to kind of make, it, make as much money as they can. I would suspect that those will stay around and it will just kind of be a, uh, uh, you know, a, a city thing, you know, like yeah. protected abortions. Yeah, I've I've tried to take I I tried to call a lift once in like a really small I can't remember a really small town, and it was like uh it was like okay a ride will be available to you in like thirty eight minutes or something you know yep and so I think that's the kind of market where you're like well okay I could walk. well you yeah I mean I ended up like actually in that situation like asking the hotel like is there a car service or something I need to get somewhere and I don't have a car so um, also. Hey, uh, mass transportation infrastructure around the country. What's up? What's going on? You know what I mean? Would love to see more of that just in a regular place, just more infrastructure. Um, okay, folks, let me know. Have you been utilizing this millennial subsidy and are you crying uh, buckets of tears because it is over? Hit me up on all the social media that we should be avoiding. All right. 
And we're moving on to topic number three. Because we went on for so gosh darn long on uh, the um, Supreme Court decision, which obviously we needed to. And again, we'll continue to talk about it as the months wear on. Um, We are going to, instead of doing a traditional topic number three, I'm going to just do a real quickie where I ask you guys what is, this is so dorky but it's the first it's it's something that i i love asking so i'm gonna ask it anyways what is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten oh ever yeah or it could just be whatever floats to the top of your head now but you know oh i'm a, i might have to defer to you for a, for a yeah. second i don't know if i get oh no i was gonna defer uh, to you that that oh, might have no. been the best advice i got was from you to defer back to you <laughs> Yeah, that's that. That's the wow, best. Wow, I can't believe this has stumped you both so incredibly. No, I best best think advice of... I've ever got was go second. <laughs> oh, in in comedy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get a get the crowd's vibe. Figure to out get, what everybody's. Let, let, let another comic warm up the crowd, yeah. and then you can go and benefit from it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a great, very specific piece of advice. That's what this I don't country's know built on: is go second. <laughs> um, Justin, do you have a piece of advice that has worked that you've uh, harkened back to? Oh, man. Uh, uh, I mean, I would just say probably, like, don't panic. I, I feel like that is that is kind of my, I mean, that that's a, a shout out to Douglas Adams, but uh, uh, that, that would probably be a thing that as I've, I've come back to as somebody who is a bit of a anxious person Panicker. at times. Uh, to to just understand to recalibrate and and uh, uh, take things one at a time. That's, how that's how been has that served you politically? Don't panic. Uh oh, it, it's it's actually the guiding light of all of it because uh, uh, trust me, there will be another reason for you to panic. So it's like there's there's <laughs> always. Uh, I mean, really, politics is the art of creating panic. Uh, uh, politics is, and this is what we talk about on the show, politics is about getting people into a booth to press your button uh, more than the other guy. That's really when you boil everything down. It's not about the issues. It's not about what we believe in. It's not about our hopes and dreams and goals. Uh, those are for us. They trigger what those things are in us so they can get us to hit a button. And so... If a politician is not on some level creating some kind of panic, then they probably don't win a lot. And the ones that win a lot are the ones that we talk about a lot. So uh, uh, that is that is, you know, a, a feature, not a bug of politics is the this is happening right now. And it if we don't do something right now, then then everything's going to go away and we're all going to die. That's that's kind of the stock and trade of politics. And and can I just flow something by you guys, um, which is that. Like there's another podcaster named David Plotz um, and he's over at Slate and he has talked about this thing, which I think is something that I've, I've talked around a lot, which is that the side that is having the better party, like as in FET, is gonna win because it's more fun to be around fun and say what you will about Trump. But that side during Trump and as Trump is the party leader and the, the FET leader, the, the Fiesta leader literally yeah. had more fun and their and their rallies were fun. And, their, you know, and, and, and whatever the underlying stuff that was disgusting to all of the rest of us was about those rallies, they were, I, I think, in some sort of objective way, fun. Right. So 
so what do you think about that notion that the party that has the best fiesta is the winning party? I, I don't know if I would describe as even the Trump rallies, which certainly were packed. And I've covered a lot of Trump rallies. I've covered uh, a, a lot of all rallies. But like the, the Trump rallies were a scene. And the only other candidate right. that I would say had a scene was Bernie. And I think there was a yeah, reason yeah, yeah. why they attracted uh, the kind of excitement that they did because it felt you felt something when you went to the rally. It wasn't just like the 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 boring speaker you had you got assigned to go see right, in college because right. you got an extra you know half a credit or something like that. Uh, uh, it was all about you know being there, being around other people, and and feeling something. So I do think that that in general, while it doesn't necessarily always translate to votes. It is, especially if you're a populist candidate, like both Bernie and Trump were granted greatly divergent places that they wanted to take the populace, but they their their voice and speech was always rooted in, I feel your pain, and then the solution on top of it. And and that was something that I, I, I do think if you're that kind of candidate, you have to have uh, social proof when people see it on television or go there. Eudora, do you think fun is missing? Uh, absolutely. And I think I want to add a piece of advice to respond that yeah. kind of brings both of those things yes, together is that we all need to be proactive and not reactive. And I think the proactive solution is to have a lot more fun building these community things with people on the ground yes! and get outside of this like two party system in the first place. You know, and I think like to speak to uh, to speak to the Bernie issue, I feel like he he seemed exciting and he seemed fun because people wanted a version of what he was talking about, but they also kind of want somebody to hand it down to them from the from on high or whatever. They want a, a hero or a leader to take them there. But the reality is everything Bernie was talking about requires community, community and groundwork, just like uh, proactive communal action. And you have to actually talk to your neighbors and know your neighbors. And like the end goal of what he's getting at doesn't exist in electoral politics and i feel like well <laughs> well well i disagree we can argue about that but, we can argue about that but i i, but, I, I, I will all, i will also say that uh, yeah. uh bernie's rallies were fun because killer mike was there and also uh sometimes he would just bring the strokes out which i think killer mike general, is a weirdo too <laughs> but and and i, I think but i think the point is the uh, what whether or not you think bernie's version of electoral politics is achievable the the excitement around it felt more palpable because it was just straight up more fun and the atmosphere was fun which is odd that such an old man elicited this 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 reaction um but it happened we all saw it happen and i think if you look at just the cultural landscape, you look at like, again, I, I talk about, pride. I love pride. I, I'm not a, a member of LGBTQ community, but like I go to pride every year. I love it. I think it's so f just like life affirming. And, you know, and I think to myself all the time, like this is the democratic party, but why, why isn't, don't people feel this the rest of the year? <laughs> What I mean, or be, you know, or or behave this the rest of the year, the party that it actually is, as in fiesta. So um, I don't know. So folks, how are you gonna bring some party vibes to your party? <laughs> All right, that's the question. Let me know. Uh, and I I'm so curious because this is what we want to achieve for November. Um, All right. 
Oh my god, you guys. That is the end of the show. You guys were such a delightful panel. Thank you so much uh, for joining me, for for ranting, for being uh, scared and confused and vulnerable um, and speculative. Uh, I would love for the people of Fake Nation to be able to follow you and all the wonderful things that you do. Justin, where do they do that? Uh, you can find me, Politics, 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 wherever you find your podcast. And I also do a panel show with uh, Andrew Heaton and Jen Briney called We're Not Wrong. Uh, so you can find both those wherever you get podcasts. And definitely subscribe to both of those things. Uh, you also know Andrew Heaton from Fake the Nation. So you'll get a double dose of Fake the Nation on this other podcast. What? Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful world of interconnected connections. Yadoye, where do people find you? Uh, I'm on everything at Yadoye underscore. And my podcast is Jaded Forum, where I talk about all this stuff in a little bit more of a cohesive sense. Uh, and I'm currently on tour. I'm on tour right now. I'm about to go to Philly, like, right now. <laughs> so. Oh, my yeah. God. And if you haven't seen Yadoye perform live, you definitely should. It is an experience you'll not want to miss. He's so funny. Um, so check out his uh, website, social medias, etc. to find out his dates. Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. All that stuff. And folks, you know where to find me and all of the stuff that I do. Um, thank you so much for everyone at HeadGum who makes this show possible. I want to specifically thank our wonderful new producer. This is only his third week on the job. He's doing such a fantastic job. His name is Andrew McGuire, and we're so lucky to have him. Thanks always to Stephanie Aguilar, our incredible sound engineer. Um, I want to thank also the um, HeadGum Studios for having us in this week. And special thanks to Emma Foley, who's uh, here running the HeadGum Studios in New York. Brand new, beautiful studios that we were able to record in today. And um, don't forget to email us at fakethenation at headgum.com. You can email us with your races to watch, with your segment ideas, with your panelist ideas, anything you want to tell us, you can reach out to us at fakethenation at headgum.com. Uh, and don't forget to join the Patreon at patreon.com slash Farsad. And we'll be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.